Welcome back. Welcome back. This is why you sound softer and I don't. Why? Welcome back. I didn't want to be like, welcome back. You see, look how. Oh, Madonna, me. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Anyway, hi, welcome back. Yes, today we are going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, which is why I wanted to like sing a little bit in the beginning. Uh. Well, you can sing. I can. I think I'm tone deaf. I don't think I'm that good, so <laughs> I'll throw myself in that boat with you. Thank you. We can't. We don't have the the pipes like Freddie. Oh, I am no Freddie. No. We can only hope, wish one day we'll hit our note. I think one time I did hit a really like good note, good and I was you. like, yeah. I'm shocked. I've done that before, and I'm like, wait a minute, I did that, and then I can never do it again. Yeah, no. It's like don't ask me to. Repeat, repeat that, but that one time. Anyway, so we were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yes, this story. So this is the story of uh, a little bit of Freddie Mercury's life and the beginning and the workings and the breaking up and bringing back together of Queen, and there was a lot of stuff happening here. I guess yes. you could say that about any movie. <laughs> yeah, but this was a long movie. I get they had to put in a lot. I believe it was. Over two hours and 15 minutes? Yeah, we take some long movies this, uh... Hey, super, 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 super star. Super star. <laughs> super star. Was, was the shortest thing. It was, thing. like, less than an hour and a half. So, I picked that one. Um, okay, so, I just wrote some stuff down in the beginning, which I thought kind of gave a really cool vibe about Freddie's life. He just wakes up, he trims his mustache, you know, like well, the classic. It starts with the Live Aid concert. Like that is, that's him getting ready for Live Aid. Oh. oh. You're right, because it's not in the house that he's mm -hmm. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, the beginning of the whole movie is him preparing and you see him walking out to Live Aid. Which you circle back to later on. Oh, I aren't, sounded like aren't a you, ghost. Aren't you lucky you have me? Yes. <gasps> Perry was the rapist? What? From Big Little Lies. Oh. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest no, part but of I, that season. I knew that. I knew that. But I you didn't. It, I needed to be, I needed it to be confirmed. Okay, well now it's confirmed. It's, it, it has been Live confirmed. Aid is where they started the movie. <laughs> And then it flashes back to Freddie Mercury. In 1970. Yes. But his name was Farouk Balsara. Good for you. Thank I'm you. getting better at pronouncing names. Thank you, pal. Yeah, so this is, I looked this up, this is true. This is a true fact. This was his birth name. And he made baby steps towards it. He changed his first name to Freddie. Yes. And, uh, you know, when he first auditions for the band. Yes. Chills. Down the spine, down the legs. Chills. Yes. When they harmonize, like in the back of the van. For uh, Don't Forget to Smile. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was like, hoo, hoo, hoo. It works for good things, too. <laughs> Just, huh, chills. <laughs> I thought it was funny that he was following this band and his Don't Forget to Smile, and one of them was a dentist and the other one was an astrophysicist. Yeah, and they were going to shut him down because of his teeth. Freddie? Yeah, you don't remember that? Oh, That's I why. Do. Oh. Yeah. So then why did you say, oh, yeah? Okay, well, yeah, because <laughs> yes. they were like, not with that smile, and then he was like, screw you guys, I'm just going to start singing. I have a bigger mouth, I can sing all these b notes <laughs> better. You know what this big mouth does? Ah. It can sing all these notes. Exactly. <laughs> so, and then he just starts singing, and then they just break into this harmonious, we also, beautiful song. We also get the meet cute with uh, Freddie and Mary, because as he's walking to find the band, there's a little 
Yes. A little, a little flirty eyes, a little flirty action little, between him and Mary. Which I didn't know that was a thing. Oh. How did you not know that? I didn't. What? How tired were you when you began to watch no, this movie? No, <laughs> I knew it when I watched the movie. I didn't know that in real life. What? That he was, he had a... He was engaged. I didn't know that. Oh. Did you when you went into it? No. I didn't really know much about Freddie Mercury. I knew, I mean, I listened to Queen, so... I just knew, like, the bullet points about Freddie Mercury. Okay. I knew, yeah, I just knew a little bit about him, but like Queen, and we were talking about this earlier, the Ramones and ACDC and the rest of them are blanking from my mind right now, but like my dad used to listen to li- Yeah, and like we would be in his car and this is what we would oh, remember? listen to back in the New York group. Kiss. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ace Freely. He, that was his solo piece. Oh, really? Yeah. I he, thought it was mm-hmm. Kiss. I'm pretty sure it's just Ace Freely. But I'll look my, it up. My dad, I found out, was a big Queen fan, and he actually saw Queen. Did he back really? In the day, yeah. Yeah, my dad liked Queen. My dad loved Somebody to Love, and my dad also somebody loved... Somebody to Love. My dad also loved Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, Fat Bottom Girls is a fantastic song. So this entire movie was like a giant sing-along for me. Oh, yeah. I feel like it was <laughs> most people, because like, the music of Queen is so good. But, it's so infectious, and that's why they became so popular, as yes, popular as they did. Yes, but I was alone. Oh, so you were just jamming out alone? <laughs> yes. Was Picasso there, no. just tip-tapping around? Picasso was not even in the room. He was sleeping? He wasn't I, dealing with you? He might have been grumbling in the living room, like, oh, go to sleep, yeah. it's midnight. <laughs> because we, he talks to me only. That's not something to admit out loud. He doesn't tell me to kill. He doesn't tell me to kill people like the son of Sam. Oh my goodness! Okay. So he auditions. He gets in the yes. band, and they switch it. I feel like once Freddie gets in the band, he just kind of takes over. He switches the name. He writes a lot of their music. He starts with their music, but that was like his first pitch. He's like, "I write songs," and they were just kind of like, "Okay." And when they first performed, he kind of like. The one, the drummer wasn't, was it the drummer or the bassist? was like, you gotta perform it like The we. guitarist. I yeah. believe it was like, I believe. He's like, perform it like we, like we he, practice. We told him to learn the words. Yeah. So that was like really interesting, right? Because somebody as big and like astounding in the music business, right? Like he, they say it in the movie, he's a legend and he is a legend. I mean, he died yeah. the same year. I think he died in 1991, if I'm not mistaken. We can look that up. Yeah. Um, but so somebody who, like, he wasn't obviously alive while we were growing up, but we still knew Queen. We knew Freddie Mercury. And it's so humbling to think that his first gig, he didn't know the words. Yeah. But he just was like, screw it. Yeah, I'm it just was gonna, 1991. Yeah. I, he's like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. And, like, sold it. And that is what we improv folk call improv. Well... <laughs> It shows that he has that just natural talent. Oh, yeah. And he... One he of, also had a determination where, like, his parents didn't support him. Right. And they didn't think that he was going anywhere. And right. they obviously didn't support his band. And he had no no one really, like, pushing him besides himself. Yeah. Like, he was working at an airport, like, shuffling bags. And he just went out on a limb and decided to do this because he knew he was talented. Yes. And he... I think he was, at first the most driving force and then Mary was the second driving biggest driving force for him she was the support that no one would give him right she believed in him and that's why well we'll get to it when they you know 
separate. Yeah. Um, but while they're together, what I thought was so cool is like you start to hear the beginning of Bohemian Rhapsody, right? He's laying Yeah, down. and he plays the opening... Uh, and Not the opening, but he plays like a couple of... A couple of bars. Yeah. And I thought that that was really cool because you start to... You're like, wait a minute, that's Bohemian Rhapsody. But it, yeah. it, you don't hear like quite enough of it. Yeah. So you haven't like gotten your fill yet. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, oh, they were on BBC. I don't. Am I missing anything in between that? When uh, they blah, 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 blah. so blah, 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 blah. I'm here. So well, it was his birthday when they get a phone call yes. about a manager who used to man who manages Elton John, and that is when um, they meet with them. I thought it was interesting. He said he described himself as misfits playing for misfits. Yeah. And he, John Reed is the, um, the guy's name who is the manager and he offers to manage them and he wants to get them on the radio. He sees them going on tour and he does believe in them to be something big. And that's when he gets them on the BBC. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like it's always like, like that big, that first big performance. Like you have the Beatles who were on Ed, Ed Sullivan yeah. and just like skyrocket their career. Yep. And I'm sure this was the same thing. They were on the BBC. They're complaining about how they had to lip sing, but they did it anyway. And they perform Killer Queen. And from there, that's when they book a tour in America. Well, remember they were lip syncing on BBC. Yes. And they were very upset about that. Yes. They didn't want to do it. And yeah. I was surprised. And again, I was so surprised that like somebody as incredible as Freddie Mercury was told to lip sync. Well, I think it was just for recording purposes. It was, but they were like appalled. Yeah, because, they were pissed about it. And that's really cool too because it's, you know, the love of the music. And he says at one point, I know when I have them, the audience, um, and I captivate them, I couldn't sing off key if I tried. Yeah, He because, says that at one point to Mary. Yeah, because when you watch him perform, even in that first performance, and then later on when they have the whole montage of him performing Fat Bottom Girls in America... Oh. Love it. Jumping, Love it. jumping around from uh, country to country. Yes. You see his real stage presence. I feel like like listening to Queen the music is great, but then watching Freddie Mercury perform. And uh, Rami Malek, I think that's how you pronounce his name properly. I think so. Who is fantastic. He is great. And, and he I would looked so much, so much like Freddie Mercury. And I would love to do Mr. Robot on this podcast because that's where I, that. oh, it's so good. That's So when I first saw him was like, what was that movie that Ben Stiller did, Night at the Museum? Yes. He was in that. I never saw those he, either. He was in Night at the Museum. And then I saw him in Mr. Robot, and I was like, this kid is awesome. And then when, as I'm watching this, yeah. and I said this to you earlier, but as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, of course he won an Academy Award. Yeah. There was no question in my mind yeah. throughout every piece of this. I mean, if you can't tell, we loved the movie. Yeah, we really did. Um, but he, like, watched Freddie Mercury, like, his videotapes. Especially that live aid performance, which we was referenced in the beginning of the movie, and then you find out, you watch it later in the movie, and they showed the, the full version of it. Yeah. He watched that, like, religiously, and he wanted to make sure he got, like, every move that Freddie did on stage down. And since, like, they were in the 80s, recording, like, recordings were really good, so he was able to really study the character. Right. Yeah. It was very cool. I yeah. like watching him act. Yeah. I just think he's really, really fantastic. Um, yeah, so Fat Bottom Girls, as their tour across America, I was I was dancing in, in my sofa. You're dancing in your sofa? I was dancing in my sofa while I watched it. 
Um, then we flash back to them writing their second album. They've gotten a little bit of fame. Well, we flash forward. We flash forward. What did I say? Flashback? Yeah. Sorry. So I thought this was cool because from a – so I did marketing – uh, for a, I still kind of do it, but for you dabble. A, yeah, I dabble if you will. <laughs> but when I so as a as a person in marketing, I thought it was really cool to see the making of the song and the pitch for the song at the same time. Yeah. Right. So they go into the office. What was it? E E M E M I. I think so. Okay. Mike Myers plays the uh, record yeah. label producer or the owner. I think the owner. Yes. Yeah. The record label bigwig. Yeah. So he um, purchased it and he starts playing opera and then they all get into it and he's like, it'll be a tough rock opera. It'll cross Greek mythology with Shakespeare. Um, We'll label it as a risk, but like, you know, what rock stars always take risks and he says- They don't want to repeat themselves. They make very clear that they're not trying to do- these like catchy hits like Killer Queen. They want to do something new and they want to do something fresh. Yeah. And what does Freddie say? Unbridled joy of musical theater. He wants to capture that in the song. Yes. And he also says, we'll sing in tongues for all I care. And, <laughs> and that's how I was like, oh, it's definitely Bohemian Rhapsody that he's talking about because they don't actually say the name of it yet. Yeah. Um, and then it was, so to me, like the song hadn't been written. He All we heard at this point, I think, were like a couple of bars yeah. and we might have heard another callback to just like the medley of it, but we haven't gotten into them sitting down and recording the song. Yeah. So they are coming up with this pretty decent pitch based solely off of confidence in themselves and each other Yeah. because they start bouncing off of Freddie and adding to it and it was like really cool. Yeah. Like the chutzpah, if you will, that you need to have. Chutzpah. There you go. Deep, yeah. deep in the throat. I mean, the guts that you have to have to walk into somewhere and say, I haven't created this thing yet, but I know it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And back it up by brainstorming and pitching at the same time. Yeah. That's incredible to me from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Sorry. I, I needed to. I needed no, that tangent. Please. That was great. That Thank was a great you. tangent. Thank you. That wasn't even a tangent. That was an explanation. Yeah. We were on point that time. Yeah. <laughs> A tangent is when we start talking about 20 other movies while talking about one movie. Oh, like we did with Superstar. Like we do with everything. You're not wrong. It's mostly me. I can't stay on topic. So after after the pitch? After the pitch, they go to a little country farmhouse and they record it. Mm-hmm. They just lock down and they record it. And they used almost all the tape they had. Yes. They were running low on everything. Before they even do that, I like when the band is arguing and the one guy is about to, like, throw everything away and, like, beat, like, mess up the kitchen because he was pissed. And they're like, don't, don't break the coffee maker. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, that, that resonated with me. That sat with me. It's very I, on brand for this podcast. I felt we do that, drink a lot of coffee. I felt that. <laughs> on, the coffee maker. I felt that on a whole new level. They were letting them throw everything else. Oh, oh God. My and that's when they're starting to argue about the song, I'm in love with my car. Yes. Which was, to me, very silly. They were like, what do you want to do with this car? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, have I ever heard that song? I don't know if I've ever heard no? that song. No? Oh, look it up. Okay, I'll give it a listen. I mean, it's not as good as Bohemian Rhapsody, but... 
after some time passes and love of my life, I think that's what it's, well, he says it's called love of my life plays. I'm sorry, it's called love of my life and he plays it at the piano when they're at the studio and that's when Paul, yes, I forget his last name. Um, Shoot. I forget what his name is too, but Paul is the person oh. who Reed basically, Reed is the manager, he basically tells them like you need, this guy's gonna follow you around, he's gonna be here for whatever you need. Yeah, Paul sucks. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Right? He does. Okay. So this is, he plays it and he says that it's about Mary and he tells Paul this and it's just the two of them and then Paul like is leaning over him and then kisses him and he's like, don't get this wrong. We just work together. Nobody knows me like Mary Paul does. Paul Prentner. Yes, Paul Prentner. 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 Paul Prentner. Prentner. Paul. Sorry. We're calling him Paul. Paul for short. Paul's trying to get his way in, and, and at first we start to think that, you know, Paul might just appreciate him, but then we see that there's, like, this whole, like, kind of abuse thing happening where he's trying to control him throughout the rest of the yeah. movie, and you and you don't really, you know, you don't really see that from the outside. I mean, we weren't really alive at this time, but the, well, we were alive, but... I mean, we weren't paying attention. We, we were, were the howled. dumb kids that we talked no, about. No, well, if he died in 1991, we weren't alive. I was alive. For, like, how old? A minute. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Mercury died in November, on November 25th, 1991. I was alive. I was born December 2nd, 1991. Well, you weren't alive. No. Yeah, you know, those few months were rough. Yeah, real rough. You couldn't grow <laughs> hair. It was a hard time. Those years were rough. <laughs> Man, that was bald till I was three. Your mother was so worried. Anyway, I couldn't have cool hair like the members of Queen until I was about eight. Yeah. That, that's when I had the full full head of hair. Um, Anyways, so back to them recording it. They finally record Bohemian Rhapsody after many, many takes. Yes. Almost not getting the tape right. And the whole time, they're, they're, the rest of the band is like seems to be kind of skeptical but they're also aware of Freddie's talent. Yeah. You know? So there's kind of this back and forth thing that happens. But then they go back to the label and pitch it, right? Yes. And you think, as an audience member, I thought, oh, he's going to love this. Like, he's going to think this is amazing. Yeah. I was sitting at the TV smiling. <laughs> like, just, like, all of my all of my teeth out. Just yeah. like, ah, like, this is going to be so cool. Yeah. And then he drops a bomb. Oh, I, I kind of already spoiled that for me when I finally watched it because oh. like I read that Mike Myers played the record label guy and yeah. one and he hates it and one of the things that he says is this isn't something that kids can headbang to in a car and it's a reference back to Wayne's World sorry am I jumping ahead of your notes no but I, I wrote that down somewhere where did I write it I wrote it somewhere oh here it is um because he wants the hit to be I'm in love with my car that's a song. Also, You're My Best Friend. No, he wants the the single to be You're My Best Friend. But the first one he says is I'm in love with my car. Yeah, he they does say that. They settle for You're My Best Friend. Yeah, as being the main single because they don't think that Bohemian Rhapsody is going to be played on the radio. Or is something that will be played on the radio. Yeah, sorry. I think that happened before he sang Love of My Life. No, Love of My Life he sang while they were recording. I took these notes in order that I watched it. Okay, so maybe maybe not. Apologies on either one of our parts. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> you know, they go through a little bit of a... They had their lawyer manage them, I think. Miami. Yeah. <laughs> Miami Beach. <laughs> Miami Beach. Because they started... Uh, I think that might have been when they were recording Another One Bites the Dust. He comes in high. Freddie Mercury comes in high. And they're recording. And they're just... The poor bassist is just trying to play 
the beat. Right? And nobody's listening, and then they're arguing, and then they hear the the riff in the background. They're like, oh, yeah, that is a good... Yeah. That is good. And then they get into it, and as they're starting to get into it, and Freddie's reading the lyrics, he turns around and he goes, like, I'll do it. <laughs> and then he's like, did you hear me? I'll do it. No, you know what happens before that? So they leave the record company, and then they go... What even before that? Because I think another one bites the dust is their third album. Mike Myers, the record label guy, tears the record down. Then Freddie takes it to the record to the radio, and he plays. You're right, Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, do I owe you a Coke again? Yeah, Diet Coke this time. Okay, it was Diet Coke last time. Two Diet Cokes. Okay, he plays it for them, and then there's that great scene where it's all it's like. Bohemian Rhapsody is playing, and then they, like, have all of the reviews from, like, Rolling Stone, Time, all, and it said, like, how terrible this is, it's, like, derivative, and all this other crap. Yeah, and they said it was, like, lyrical nonsense, or something along those lines, which I thought, again, was very cool, that they had those reviews playing as the song came on. Yeah. But then at the end, fast-forwarding a little bit here, they said on the second release, it hit the charts. Yeah. When they released it again. So, at this point, Freddie starts to get a little eccentric. I mean, I feel like the fame has fully hit him, like, because he said that he gets his energy from the crowd, basically. Yeah. And when you have that much energy from that many people, I feel like it can go to your head, and it definitely went to Freddie's head. It did. And I was going to say this earlier, but what is consistent about his performance from the very beginning when we first see him perform, he captivates his audience, and I think, I forget which character said it, but they had said, you know, have you ever seen anyone interact with a crowd like this before? Mm-hmm. And it, it is true. And and he, he always goes back to it. And even at Fast Forwarding Again at Live Aid, he, all those people there yeah. are responding. And then on one of their tours, they he said that he It's even beyond that because with Live Aid, it was done in England. Like you have literally like Princess Diana and Prince Harry. Uh, not Prince Harry, Prince Charles. Try again. I thought you were going to say Prince Charming. No, Prince Charles. <laughs> He's definitely not Prince Charming. Um, so and so you have, like, that huge crowd there, and then it was also being broadcast basically around the world. Yeah, they said about a billion and a half or 1.4 billion audience members total. Yeah. And he he was able to captivate them, and you see, like, pictures of people watching it on TV, and they're clapping their hands, and they're all yeah. responding to it. But, I mean, it was just... Like, really, really cool to see. And then they, they do a reference where they make fun of Madonna as they're... I'm getting ahead of myself here. You are. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're a little I'm off sorry. the rails here, but it's fine. We can... We can so, yeah, what I... Periodically throughout the movie, I just thought it was very cool that they showcase that, how he's just consistently able to captivate his crowd, no matter what's going on mentally with him. Yeah. Yeah, he can always be... Yeah. Like, it, like a teacher. Being on stage is where he thrives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. But so let's talk a little bit about this eccentric vibe. I mean, I was going to jump right to the party scene. Yes. Did you want to do anything else before that? No. Let's okay. get into it. So he wants, he's like, I want to throw a party. And he calls Paul up because now him and Paul are dating at this point. Are they dating? Mm, I think so. No. Paul is like getting him guys, basically. He's kind of, le- as you, when you see him touring, like he kind of leans into his like, sexuality as being more open and more fluid where he is like he's using Paul to like find these guys to like 
And also at this point, he tells Mary that he believes he's bisexual, and Mary says, no, you're gay. Yeah. And then she, you know, goes into the spell, how she always falls into this, and she's like, I feel bad because it's not even your fault. Yeah. You know, and then they, they, they go through this rough patch, but then they make up and they become friends again. Yeah. Um, the engagement obviously is off. They're not getting married. Right. And she takes the <laughs> ring off and he promised, he says, promise me no matter what, you'll never take this ring off. Yeah. Um, and, and during that, because that's all happening around this time, so I just kind of wanted to touch on that. And I think just because Freddie had so much going on, and, and at this point, Paul was having a really, like, crappy experience on him. Like, yeah. lo- low-key at this point. Um, yeah, Paul was not managing him the way that he should and not looking out for Freddie's best interests. Right, and and Freddie didn't want to let Mary go, but he realizes that he um, was not necessarily attracted to her in the ways that he once thought he was. Yeah. And so for Mary, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I had some sympathy there because, you know, she wanted to move on with her life, and then when she introduces Freddie to her new boyfriend, he's, like, shocked, and, and he sees that the ring is off, and then when, when he finds out that she's pregnant, he's like, how could you, and... You know, things yeah. simmer down over time, but I, I really felt sympathy for Mary at that point because she's like, okay, I, I need to get on with my life. Yeah, I, she, I to- mean, she was that source of, like, support for Freddie, and I feel like he may have taken that for granted, and yeah. he may have just seen it as a one-sided relationship where Mary was there for him, but what was he, like, was he there for Mary? Yeah, he really didn't until, you know, after she came to see him and was like, Hey, you piece of crap! Yeah. Get away from these people. They're destroying you. Yeah, come home. And then you know, I think he started. He that he came back. Yeah. But so this is all happening around that party, and they all are like, you know, you're kind of being a jerk. All yeah. of his band members felt this way. Yeah. And at that time, was he? I don't re- recall. You need to remind me. Was he like getting offers to go solo at that point? So it was like they did a show. It was around that time. And Paul got the offer from CBS, and then he gave it to his current agent. And he said, I think it would be better coming from you. So then they're in the limo, and the agent gives the offer, and the agent looks at Paul. Yeah. And, you know, um, Freddie freaks out. He demands that he gets out of the car. He practically kicks him out of the car. And the agent turns around and says, you're firing the wrong snake. And he looks over at Paul. And Freddie's kind of, like, blind to all of this, right? He doesn't see what's happening. And then slowly, this is when, um, you know, Paul realizes that he got away with that. So he, Paul, alienates Freddie from everybody else, people who are married, his agent, the records. People are calling him. The people who called about his lawyer, about current manager slash lawyer, um, about Live Aid. And he wasn't getting any of these phone calls. And then that's when Mary comes in. And was like... Hey, you're being a jerk. You're hanging around all these crappy people. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's how he found out. Yeah, and then he he's out in the rain, and it's a very dramatic scene, and he says, like, why didn't you tell me about Live Nation? Live Aid. Live Aid, not Live, Live Nation. Nation. I apologize. Live Nation is a <laughs> No, I know ticket. what Live Nation is. Isn't that a ticket? It is. I'm becoming my mother. I'm saying the wrong things. It's okay. This is what my mom does. Don't worry, I got you. He's like, why didn't you tell me about this? And he's like... Oh, I didn't think you'd want to do it. And he's like, you see, and he holds his hand up, and he's like, "Why didn't you tell me?" He goes, "Oh, I probably did tell you. You forgot." And what accent are you doing? I have, right well, now? it's a bunch of, <laughs> it's a bunch of wrong things. It's not that good. Yes, I need to practice my it's okay my British accent. I was like, "You sneaky little crap!" You know, <laughs> that's not really what I want to say. There, and there are some other 
You, you, uh... I would like to use all the expletives. You yellow belly lizard. Did you ever watch a uh, little rascal? I sure have. So I'm, th- I'm You're think- the scum between my, my toes. 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 Damn it. This is to me the last week, or what is it, two weeks ago? Ain't that a kick in the pants? Was that on the recording? No. Okay, so sidebar. <laughs> if I may... Danielle was singing Ain't That a Kick in the Head. I thought it was Pants. And she thought it was Ain't That a Kick in the Pants. What was so, the other one? I don't know. Oh, uh, like a fella said, quote. Like a fella said, quote, Ain't That a Kick. Ain't That a Hole in the Boat. Yeah, like a fella said, quote, Ain't That a Hole in the Boat. And what did I say? And you said I thought it was a hole in the head. Yeah. It's a kick in the head. It's a kick in the pants. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, ain't like a like the sailor said, "quote Ain't that a hole in the boat? Ain't that a hole in your head?" <laughs> <laughs> Good, so we'll just take turns. I'll sing it how I want to sing it, okay. and you sing it how Dean Martin sang. <laughs> that's that's very Deborah of you to say. That's a Deborah line. That and but you know what I was talking about. <laughs> that's a that's a Deborah thing. The blame the, the blame is never and that her. thing with the thing and the thing. Yeah, footloose. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> My mom is very similar to that video that I'm sure you could find. So, <laughs> is Italian mom say? Look it up. Google it. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's a favorite of ours. Anyways, so Paul back on track. He decides to tell Paul. He breaks up with him. He breaks it off with him. He realizes that all these people are coming in are not good for him, and he says, you can do whatever you want, I just never want to see you again. So, hold on, refresh my memory. So when does he start recording his, like, solo album? He, this Does he get rid of Paul before he starts reco- recording his solo album? I thought he started recording the solo album. He and- did, he did when he was with Paul, because Paul's in the room when they ask how much, they said he, uh, sorry, they ask him about it, and Paul butts in, and Roger's, like, ready to just, like, knock him out. Gotcha. And they ask him, like, how much money are you getting for this? And he was getting $4 million at that time. Who, Freddie? Yeah. To release two solo albums. So he works himself to the bone. Paul brings in all these uh, men, and they're having a relationship. And the other men are just, like, hanging out and knowing him. And, like, Mary's like, hey, these people don't care about you. Also, you know what I found really interesting about the whole, like, part where he's trying to go solo? I feel like towards the end of that, Freddie realizes that he's not as good without the band. Like, we, even just during this podcast, we were talking about Freddie and how, like, the band fully trusted him. And Sorry for clapping. It's okay. They fully trusted him. They really wanted, like, they really believed in him. And a lot of people really believed in him and his, like, artistic talent. Yeah. But when he tried, once he tries to go solo, he's missing something. And he didn't think that he would be missing something. But what he was missing were those people who were there to, like, help him along the way. Like, he thought that he could do everything himself, but he couldn't. He needed that, like, that whole chemistry of Queen to really be great. And that's when you get to... Isn't that then when you get to, like, them getting together for Live Aid? Well, so, right. I mean, it was a... They were a family, a family, a family. And then once that scene happens where he... They tell him you know, he's going to make $4 million for this, for the two record labels, he goes queen, like... The two albums. The two albums. What did I say? Record labels. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's okay. The, um... I do the same thing. We're here for each other. Thank you. Um... We know that this podcast wouldn't be the same if it was just us. We need each other. Yes. We're a family. Just like Freddie and Queen needed each oh, other. please don't compare us to Queen. That's too much pressure. <laughs> That's, I'm already sweating thinking about it. Let me get the fan. 
Uh, no, but at that point, they had always said they were a family, they were a family, and as he talks about these albums, he's like, we're not, we're not a family. You guys have families. I have no one. And that's when he, you know, goes off and does his thing, yeah. breaks up with Paul, all of that's happening. And when he comes back, he says, I hired people to do the things that you do, and they did it. Yeah. And they did it perfectly, and I didn't have to deal with, you know, the the um, sass and the yeah. back talk and whatever and he's like but it's not the same like yeah. I need you guys and you need me yeah and then you get to Live Aid where they yeah killed it and it had been like a while since they had actually performed and actually right. were together but as this is happening Freddie realizes that he has AIDS yes and that is probably like one of the when I coughs in the when I knew like bullet points of Freddie Mercury's life like I knew Freddie Mercury Mer- Mercury. Mercury. <clears throat> Freddie Mercury. Uh-huh. Lead singer of Queen. Yep. Homosexual. Yep. Died of AIDS. Yep. Bullet oh, points. Those are my bullet points, Bullet too. points of Freddie, which is very unfortunate that those are... It's like Kurt Cobain, lead singer of Nirvana, heroin addict, committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Amy Winehouse. Oh, no. <laughs> we can, we can go this. on and on and Let's on. Let's not do this. I don't like this. <laughs> we can go on and on with most people. Um, Britney Spears. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, but as, you know, you see him cough in the napkin throughout, while all this stuff is going down, he coughs in the napkin. And Do you think that, like, him realizing that he had AIDS... Sorry to butt into you. No, that's fine. Do you think that him realizing he had AIDS wanted to push him, like, led him to reconcile his differences with the members of Queen because he realized how big how, like, important they were in his life and he wanted to make amends before, like... I don't think it stopped there. I think he wanted to reconcile everything in his life. Yeah. Right? So, and and this is the thing. I started making a list of, like, that they started subtle. Like, you see that he's worrisome, uh, but you see him cough in a napkin. You see him go to what looks to be, like, a hospital or a clinic. Yeah. You see somebody who looks um, sickly... And they shout out and they go, Ayo. And, and yes. Freddie. And Freddie. Oh, I love that scene. Very sad. There's this sad music playing in the background. He has a grim montage. There's an AIDS news brief. Um, There's No Time for Us. I believe that's the name of the song is playing in the background. And when he, you know, again, these aren't in order. Um, when he reconciles with the band, they kick him out of the room just because they could. Yeah, oh, they're like, yeah, we need to deliberate. Freddie, can you leave the room? <laughs> and he's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, because I can. And then the manager comes out and he says, they just need some time. And Freddie says, what if I don't have time? Yeah. And the manager says, what do you mean, Freddie? And then they bring him back in. And as they're performing for Live Aid, yeah. he tells them. Yeah. Um, but When they're performing or when they're preparing? When they're preparing. Yeah. When they're preparing, he's like, I've got it. Rehearsing. That's, That's the word. That's the winner. That's it. But and it's it's very interesting because I the one scene that they did I thought would have happened during this like AIDS realization. Um, but earlier on they're talking about the second album and they're doing a QA session with reporters yeah. and they're just drilling Freddie with all these questions about his, his sexuality, yeah. about his parents, the fans should know, can you be honest, can you not lie? And we, I don't, I'm assuming that he's on some sort of drug at this point because the screen's like fading in and out as yeah. you're seeing, you know, and he's like totally overwhelmed in this sense. Yeah. I thought that scene would have happened when you find out that he has AIDS. Yeah. Um, but they didn't, in the movie, they didn't really let it hit the public. He just tells the band. Yeah. He doesn't tell anybody else. And also at this point, he's starting to realize 
like he is coming to this reconciliation point, and that's yeah. when he meets uh, Jim, Jim Hutton, Jim Hutton, Hutton, Hutton. And I found a little article that I think I X'd out of no, about no. I have it right here um, about their relationship, and they stayed together until he died. Oh, yeah. And apparently they met when he threw that big party. He was cleaning up, and he like groped him between the legs. Oh, and he was like, yeah, he's no. like, I'm not about it. And then he was like, I'm really. <laughs> Let me get you a beer. I'm really sorry. And he's like, I would like a beer. And and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm a sucker for a man in uniform. And then Jim turns around and says, so am I. Oh. And then they, he's like, you look like you could use a friend. And they start chatting it up. Do you remember all this or no? Yes. Okay. It's com- all coming back It's all me. coming back. Sorry. I started singing again. It's all. That's yeah. five. I, I, I'm You're in trouble. We're I'm in trouble. Trouble. What did you just All do? the trouble. I lost my notes. They're somewhere. Wait, is it, are we still recording? Oh, we are. Don't are worry. Are sure? This is a different... That's not the one. This oh, is okay. the one. Don't do that to me. I'm sorry. I lost my notes. That's what's important here. All right, let's wrap it up. I thought there was something else you wanted to say. Uh, the kitties. I <laughs> love the reference. I love they really pushed that Freddy was such a cat lover and he had all those cats. Even yes. towards, like, the end, he had a bunch of cats. Yes. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. One thing that I also liked, which made me be like, what? Was when they were creating We Will Rock You. Mm-hmm. They start just stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap. Yeah. And then the explanation for it was, I want to give the audience a song they can perform. Yes, I and loved that. I thought that was so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, and I also wrote this down just because I think it's so awesome. Another one bites the dust. I think this is like the coolest line to the beginning of the song. Any song. Yes. Steve walks wearily down the street with brim pulled way down low. I think that's so cool. <laughs> this is like the coolest line. Um, you love that song. I love a lot of Queen songs. You do. The one upset that we talked about was that Bicycle was not in the movie. Yeah. We were very upset about that. You were um, talking mostly to Nick about that. Yeah, I was talking to Nick about that. Nick watched the movie and then just listened to Queen nonstop. And he still does. Well, I mean, he likes Queen a lot. I do too. Um, but one thing I will tell you was that I liked that it ended with the Live Aid concert. Same. And that we didn't see the disease take him over. Yeah, I agree. They ended it on a high note. They referenced back to the beginning, which, or like, they started it out and then they had his life and then they ended it with Live Aid. And um, they had the biography splurts at the end. Yeah, and I also liked that they. I feel like when sometimes in biopics, when they do like big performances, they'll show clippets of it. But I felt like they really did the full live aid performance. Yeah. And like they did it really, really well. And I, like I said, it was gr- when they left the stage, it was in slow mo, and it was, I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful ending because we know what happens. You yeah. know what I mean? We don't like, need to go. Yeah. We don't and, need to go down. And road. you know what? He won. We'll watch Beautiful Boy if we want to hear a really oh. sad. Um, <laughs> but he won the Academy Award without doing that performance. And, and that is amazing to me. You know what I mean? Like, that's how good of an actor he is. Every, like, small mannerism of his face. Oh, yeah. Was, Even, yeah. Oh, it was on so point. So good. I you really liked the movie. I did, yeah, I really did. And I just, I just thought that it was, be- it was a beautiful celebration of Queen and his life. Yeah. The way they ended it. Exactly. I agree. It makes my heart happy. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you. I am a wizard with the words. <laughs> Yes, I like to stutter a lot. Eh. Eh. Anyways. So that's our bit on Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Jinx. (laughs) 
Um, if there were any other parts that you really liked or didn't like, let us know. Hit us up. Let us know. Yeah, we'd love to talk about... Let us know what your favorite Queen song is. Yeah. What's yours? Probably Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, it's mine too. Can I tell you something embarrassing? Yep. The first time I heard, I heard Fat Bottom Girls, I was a big Glee fan. Oh, Danielle. <laughs> Oh, Danielle. The disappoint if you all just groaned. We were going to end on a high note here. Sorry. That's fine. One day you'll learn how to ride your bicycle. Never. I'm never <laughs> learning how to ride a bicycle. Hell no. Hell no. You're ridiculous. Well, I don't I don't need to. It's irrelevant information. I don't need to learn how to do it. Are you ready to close this out? Yes. Right. Okay, and on that note. <laughs> I'm going to teach Danielle how to ride a bike, and we'll see you next week. Nope, you're not. <laughs> Bye. Bye.